Hello, readers. Welcome to 20 Questions with Your Favorite Author, where we ask authors important questions like, why would you agree to be on this podcast? I'm Kelly Lynn Colby, Editorial Director at Curse Dragonship Publishing. Our guest this week is Rob Howe, SpecFic writer, editor, and publisher. Rob is the publisher of New Mythology Press. He is one of the founders of the Eldros Legacy and an author in the Four Horsemen universe. He is a reformed medieval academic, a former IT professional, and a retired soda jerk. If he's not your favorite now, he will be after. Welcome, Rob. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, Looking forward to the chat. That's right. It's the fun part. So so before we get too much farther on this, I'm looking at the chat stream, and I want to tell you, I apologize. I had, had didn't have time to create uh, a username on the Twitch TV uh, chat, so I won't be responding to your questions there, but I will be responding to them here. I will also tell you all <laughs> that I have three books to give away tonight, and I'm going to give them away to the three most fun questions I see during the evening. So if you give us fun questions, you can get a free book. Um, we'll deal with the logistics later, send an email to me or Kelly and we'll get that taken care of, but, uh, be honored to send questions to fun questioner or send books to fun questioners. How awesome is that? I was like, what, what's your giveaway? He's like, I know what I want to do. I was like, yes. All right. So think of your questions, but I get to start it off. So think about your questions. So first, Rob, as a writer, editor, and publisher, like you wear so many hats in this industry. And I totally relate. Which one did you put on first? Uh, so writer, um, it's it's kind of funny. I started in this gig late. Like I started writing, actually writing when I was 40 five, I think. I really didn't even do it as a hobby when I was younger. The only writing I had was um, one really kind of stupid thing I did to fill out a con uh, a program. And then, uh, and it's horror, which I've never really written, oddly enough. Uh, and then and then stuff like flavor text for gaming. And I never got into it because I had all these other careers. And then I Mm -hmm. found myself without a career uh, and really no place to go. And and I'm a guy who I may not be the hardest worker out there, but if I'm not doing something, I will fade away into nothingness really quickly. You're like, I need a passion. I need something. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I started writing my first novel and I made all the normal new author mistakes and more. And, uh, but, uh, that was in 2014, tw- late 2014, early 2015, when I f- first started doing that, mm-hmm. the first novel came out in 2015. I self-published it. I self-published five other novels and I'm now up to my ninth novels getting ready to come out in May, it looks like. And, Sweet. um, uh, just keep pushing along. So started as a writer mm-hmm. and then all the rest come along after. That's just come along. So how long did it take you to write that first book? Oh, longer than I wish, you know, <laughs> about a year. <laughs> um, about a year? That's not bad for your first book. Yeah. You know, I, so when, as I said, I didn't have a job, right? So mm-hmm. when I first, literally, when I literally first started the first page, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, so this is my new job. Treat it mm-hmm. as such, do X amount of work per day, you know, mm-hmm. try and get into doing this professionally. Mm-hmm. And I'd read a bunch of, uh, you know, indie publishing blogs, even, you know, Sarah Hoyt had a big one where she was talking about that a lot at the time and a bunch mm-hmm. of others uh, who are often, uh, you know, superstars. We met at superstars, by the way, who are often yep. at superstars or, or in that area. And um, so I started basically with this its job. So it, it took longer than much longer than a novel does for me right now. Novel takes me about four months uh, start to to finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I get about two done a year because in those other four months I've got short stories. I, I've done a lot of short stories and they take about a month each. Um, maybe it, oftentimes it can be faster. Sometimes mm-hmm. everything just works out when it works out is what I'm finding out now with these with novels. Sometimes they take longer. Sometimes they don't. Depends on how they speak to you and how much you make them speak to you. No, uh, by the way, a question here is Rob wearing the writing wrongs logo. No, 
I'm actually wearing a T-shirt from, um, let's see if I can get more of it here. This says, what would Beowulf do in Old English? Some buddies of <laughs> mine, some buddies of mine did a version of Beowulf in Old English at an SCA event in uh, New York. And then I was able to perform it as well mm-hmm. in uh, at Penzik. Uh, I'm an Old English scholar, so... One of my passions. So that's cool. Yeah, actually, I had a question about that. I'm like, how do you become an an ex medieval academic? Like, how does that happen? You uh, don't stop getting funding from the university, and your advisor stops uh, returning your emails. (laughs) I'm just thinking, if you have all that knowledge, they can't take it from you. I would say you're still a medieval academic. In many ways, I am, and and some days I would like to finish my dissertation. I am all but dissertation in medieval history. That means, were I to get a doctorate in medieval history, however, there's just they're chunking out um, PhDs, and there are one or two or five jobs a year. Right. And, there's only so many. It's hard to and, get a postdoc. And adjunct faculty. That's mm-hmm. it's not a job. It's really not a job. I so, agree. I looked into it. I was like, I'll make more if I work at Target. This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you make I'm less than confused. mini wage, less than yeah. minimum wage being yeah, an adjunct no faculty. And it's, <laughs> and it's a job that isn't, isn't fun. Mm-hmm. So at least I yeah. didn't think. Nope, I'm with <laughs> you on that one. It made no sense to me either. I looked into it. I was like, hmm, nope. I'll work uh, at Target. There's no stress working at Target. I mean, comparatively speaking, to running a class and grading things. Well, so, no, no, you know. that's that's actually a really good point. One of uh-huh. the, um, it, it has been 25 years, 20 years mm-hmm. since I have had a job that when I left the job mm-hmm. and went home, I didn't have to worry about it. Yeah. At Target, you leave the job, you really don't have mm-hmm. to worry about it, you, you know. Mm-hmm. Try to do a good job, whatever, but you know, but you can leave it there. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. I, I, there are days that it's like, man, I really just wish I could just not have to worry about working for a day. Not in this industry. There's no such no. thing as a day off. You might be doing something different today, yes. but, but there's never a day off. <laughs> yeah. uh, my, my sweetie, actually, she's worries about that. And that's one of the, I have to, she, she makes sure that I do take a few days off here and there that, mm-hmm. you know, but it's never complete because maybe I'm answering an email or, you know. Uh-huh. Like I might take the writer hat off, but, you know, I'm wearing the editor hat or the editor hat. But now the publisher hat's on. No, I totally get that. Yeah, our, our data day- says the massive changes in higher ed don't make it particularly attractive. Yeah, it's, no. not, it's not. I'm with you. And and, and Spike, uh, Spikeette, uh, mm-hmm. I believe if you search for Viking Home Companion, you might be able to get one of these shirts. I think that website is still up, but it's Viking Home Companion, a play on the Garrison Keeler uh, Prairie Home Companion uh, concept. Yeah, I think she wants a Writing Wrongs t-shirt, but that's okay. I want your oh. t-shirt. That's awesome. <laughs> it's our D&D group we do on Mondays, so that's what the Writing Wrongs are. It's oh, really okay. Cool. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, Friday Blue has a question for you, though. Um, she wants to know if you could be one of the incarnation of immortality, death, Life skiing, father time, any of these, what would it be? She's pulling on your medieval academia. Well, uh, I, I'm I'm going back to the Piers Anthony books. I'm trying to remember which one I enjoyed the most. Oh, yeah. Um, it's been a while since I've read them. I'm going to say father time. Because, boy, wouldn't it be nice to be able to say, I'm cutting out a couple hours here and I'm just going to lay back and have some beers and, oh, I need four more hours of sleep. Stopping time here. Yes. I, I, I think at this point, yeah, On a Pale Horse was probably my favorite, but uh, now now in, in this job, being able to mess with time, that mm-hmm. that that would be awesome. That would be cool. But I would do exactly what you're saying. If I had control of time, I would just use it to sleep more. I really would. Maybe finish the Netflix thing I'm trying to watch. You know, one of those things. Those are the only thing I would use it for. So it's probably better I don't have that power. I I, I would have absolutely used it Sunday morning because, first of all, I didn't get to bed until Sunday morning from Saturday, right? 
Because I mean, that's a, a good con. con. We need to go to yeah. this one safely. Yeah, it was a great con. We're sitting mm -hmm. around having fun and, and chatting and drinking and. Mm -hmm. um, and the New Mythology Press, the press that I run, had its mm -hmm. panel at uh, 9 a.m. on Sunday. Ooh. And, and, and I was there, and I was moderately coherent. Rich Haley, <laughs> uh, who is who is on the chat, uh, Rich Haley was there as well. And and he can he can vouch for my moderate uh, coherence. Uh, but, yes, I would have absolutely used it to, to you know. Been able to get you know more than my four hours or five hours of sleep. That <laughs> right, right. You're like eight hours, ten hours sounds good. I'm gonna do ten hours because <laughs> in real life, who can do that? Nobody can. Uh, oh, Mystic said you were missing someone on that panel. Shh. Yeah, I want to know who who Mystic Chaos is because uh, I, I don't recognize that username. Uh, but yes, uh. It, it turns out now. Now, to be fair, okay. So I was in that panel, and Mark Stallings, who's another Elder Souls founder, was mm -hmm. supposed to. Oh, hi, Tara. Uh, was supposed to uh, was supposed to be there at that panel. Uh, he actually got not hung over sick, but sick sick, and couldn't be there. Oh, but no. throughout throughout the panel, I was like, and you know, if Mark Stallings was here, he could talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> So you made it really obvious he wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, like well, talking since you you brought up uh, New Mythology Press um, as the assistant publisher in charge, I love that name. That's great um, for this imprint um, from Chris Kennedy Press. How did you get roped into the? I, I mean, how did you get the opportunity to fill this position? I I, I got it the same <laughs> way I got my girlfriend, my my fiance. I asked her. I asked him. Oh, so you asked. just asked Chris? Yeah. Chris. Um, so Chris Kennedy is. Did you have to give him a ring? I'm just curious. No, I didn't. Not yet. Oh. But after this, who knows? Um, <laughs> uh, Chris Kennedy is an amazing guy. He is one of the most hardworking people I know. He's really smart. His, the list of his accomplishments, uh, former uh, naval aviator, principal of a school, got a Ph.D. in education, I believe. I mean, dude has this amazing list of accomplishments. Mm -hmm. uh, Tons of books, all this publishing company. He's really impressed and generous with his uh, with his uh, knowledge. It's just absolutely. Incredible. Yeah. Well, we we're a big believer in the rising tide lifts all boats, and that's that's mm -hmm. not just our authors, but all authors. Uh, but but you know he works really hard, and I went to him um, about two and a half years ago, and I, I said, look, I ha I had done when Bauer must hold was in the middle of Songs of Bauer. These are the first two Bauer anthologies we do through Fantasy. Um, and his fa he'd done some fantasy stuff and it'd been okay, but you know, he's had so much to do with the four horsemen and the salvage title and so many other of the, the space opera and the, the Mel sci-fi. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, I you know, wanted to see if, if we could do more with fantasy. And I was also worried about him because he was pushing himself, uh, in true Chris form. He said to me at one point, uh, I did, um, 42 books in 2019 i'll never do that again he did 66 in 2020 that's uh that's his version of cutting back it was good. well technically he didn't do 42 so he didn't lie yeah it's, yeah he uh -huh. didn't yeah he didn't, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, so i actually went to him and, and just asked because uh one i thought it was a new challenge good challenge for me mm -hmm. um i find that i can only write so much at a time but when i was doing the editing process on mm -hmm. the um, on the anthologies, I found that the energy I was putting into writing wasn't messing with the energy I was putting into anthologies. And so I could have, you know, a, a, a day shift of doing this and a night shift of doing that. And that would make me more productive and therefore give me more opportunities to make money because of course Absolutely. it's business. And so that was another factor in, in my thing. But, uh, but a lot of it was Chris has done so much and I was worried uh, to a great extent that he was pushing himself too far. Mm-hmm. You're like, we need you, dude. We need you. Let me help. <laughs> yeah, old Jester 68 is correct. Uh, mm -hmm. Mark is a known troublemaker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Zapho's correct, too. He's also definitely worth giving a hard time because he's good people. He's been on the podcast twice. We adore him around here. So, uh, oh. the Rich uh, uh, made a point about I, I accepted um, Responsibility of the Crown from G. Scott Huggins. Uh, it needed. I felt it needed some work, but that it had such great bones that I couldn't pass it up. And um, Chris had Chris had not taken it. 
<laughs> because while he probably saw the bones, he didn't ha- he didn't mm-hmm. have the time to be able to put into it. So yeah, that's definitely a factor. Def- I've never found a story that that could not be saved. It just depends on how much time I have to put in it as an editor with the author to actually make it happen. So that's definitely a factor, no doubt. Oh yeah, there are a lot that I I you know think are innovative ideas. Mm-hmm. But I can't I. I don't have the time to fix all of these things right now. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's why I try to people. Everyone doesn't get rejected just because their stuff is bad. Mind you, some people do. Um, but that's not usually the thing. Usually it's just about how much work does this need to, you know, raise up to our publishing house's standards. And um, and, and if I'm if I'm doing a, a, a contest where I'm saying, mm-hmm. hey, and, and I'll be talking about a new one that we just announced on Sunday. Uh, uh, if we're doing an open call contest kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm taking the top four. So it's not mm-hmm. a question of your story is good. Is it good enough to be one of the top four? And that's a different question because that's then, different. Yep. That's in a completely different contest. And Absolutely. I context and, and I usually get I get about 30 to 40 stories, and of those mm-hmm. 10 are really good that I would mm-hmm. wouldn't mind publishing, but then I'm having to pick through the top four, and that's challenging sometimes. It is, it really is. Um, but we're glad we have people like you out there doing it. So thank you very much for all of your effort. And thanks to all who submitted because, uh, I've had a lot of cool stuff to read. That's awesome. There'll be more. Yeah. Well, you know, let's talk about your work. You, um, I noticed that you genre hop a lot. Um, what is it about stories from so many different settings that's appealing to you? Honestly, I don't really care about genre in in some ways. I care about, um, the characters. I'm a character Mm -hmm. guy first. Um, gotcha. I, my writing style is uh, I create a character, I put him in a situation, and then I role play. I was mm-hmm. a theater guy. I was I've been role playing since '80 or so, and you know that's my writing style. And and so I'm a pantser, and, and a lot of times mm-hmm. I do that because I don't entirely know which way the character's going to jump, mm-hmm. and I want to give the characters that that flexibility to tell me where they're going to go, and then cra- craft the story that fits the way those characters want to do things. Mm-hmm. So uh, it doesn't really matter what uh, the genre is. So, cause it, I mean, it, it does. I pay attention to genre tropes to a certain extent, mm-hmm. uh, but if I get an idea that's in, it's in fantasy. Great. If it happens to be alternate history. Great. Uh, I will say that the, the biggest genre I write in, because every one of my books has some of it, is mystery. I am a mystery writer first, and it just happens to be that my mystery might be set in epic fantasy, or it might be set in uh, military science fiction, or it might be the Edward novels, which are actually private eye novel, hardboiled private eye novels with swords and sorcery. Um, I just, I write mystery first. That's the one that comes to mind. I like it. Good call. That's what unites it. That makes sense. Well, I checked out your Amazon best-selling novel, The Feeding of Sorrows, from the Four Horsemen universe, and you made me laugh in the third paragraph, even though they're in the midst of battle. So, well <laughs> done. Well done. This is jaded editor here, and you made me laugh in the third paragraph. So, how important is humor to your overall product? Uh, it has to be there some. I mean, mm-hmm. I've I've read a lot of military history. And I do a lot of action and military stuff going on through my stories. Um, that's just, uh, I like I like action. I like sword fights. I like spaceship battles. I like exploding spaceships and, you know, guns of fire and, and all of these things. Mm-hmm. But since I've read a lot of military history and a lot of it from, from veterans, talked to a lot of veterans, um, mm-hmm. there's humor in all of that. There is humor in all of that. They have to. It's like the nurses have to do it. Police officers have to do it. Um, my wife's an ex-federal <clears throat> police officer, and her sense of humor is really dark. It's actually one of the things we bond on. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I think when you're in the most tense situations, I think you have to laugh. Or go crazy. It's and mm-hmm. or you True. might still you might do both, but mm-hmm. and then I grew up on MASH and I you know I grew up Gosh, uh, I love MASH. And especially the book, uh, which is really intense at times. Um 
Yeah, there's just like uh, old Jester says, they mm-hmm. they can be they're they're going to be grim, and that yeah. that humor in these awful situations uh, uh, is yeah, it keeps it out of the grim dark. Absolutely, yep. And and Rich Dave or R. Davis writer, yes, I agree. There's something the mystery tropes to me. There need to be some of them simply because I don't want to give everything away in the first paragraph. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Agreed. See, we got lots of fan, MASH fans. I know the moms love MASH, too. Mystic love MASH. Yeah, that there was something magical about that show where you're laughing and crying in 30 minutes. I, that's magical. That's you. I don't know anything that does that now. Uh, no. Um, and, and they didn't even want to do that until later in the show, which was, I mean, the first few years aren't, aren't that good compared to the really tough. I, I remember my favorites, the one where... Um, Winchester's dealing with the guy who the p- the the piano player who's lost his hand and is mm-hmm. and gives up his life and and Winchester finds and I'm tearing up thinking about it because it's just such yeah. an emotionally powerful episode. It's incredible. Uh, um, Blake in the book was much different than the one on the TV show Friday Blue. Uh, Blake in the book is a much more fun character because he knows what's going on and he's making the conscious decision. Uh, Potter is, is much more like Blake in some ways, uh, in the TV show. Well, I, I liked Potter. Potter was my favorite. Uh, he made more sense to me with the military background. Um, I can't see Blake actually running anything. Um, but Blake, I think was proper for the beginning of the show, right? You know, you're just, you're introducing people to something brand new. Um, you know, you're doing this whole thing where you're actually showing them how to do this. Um, so I think, you know, no, you are supposed to laugh. See, so it, it kind of, I think that helped because I know Alan Alda said he would not do it if it was like Hogan's heroes because Hogan's heroes didn't take anything seriously. Right. Uh, and they did have some seriousness, but they didn't, they don't show the same amount. Like, I'm not sure if they showed blood in the TV show until really late. Whereas if you watch the movie, uh, blood's everywhere. The the movie is. But I don't much think they were allowed to. Yeah. I mean, the movie's dirtier too, right? I mean, they, this yeah. was TV in the 70s. I mean, there That's were a lot true. of things they were not allowed to do. If this was on HBO right now, which I would like to see, could someone do that? It would be very, very different. And then Spike gets point on on Blake. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. What an amazing way to do that. Mm-hmm. To do that death because he was gone from the show. Everybody's like, "Oh, we get a new actor." Okay, he gets rotated home, and then to have Potter come in or Potter Radar come Radar. in mm-hmm. um, at that, and, and the just, fact that the actors didn't know—that's right. that's why it, it's it's just it was it was brilliant. It was so well yeah. done. Um, but as much as we love Mash, this is not about <laughs> Mash. Even though we probably could do an episode, you know, yeah. just an episode and do a whole podcast about that in our spare time, right, Rob? We totally, totally yeah, have enough spare, spare time. time. Yeah, <laughs> to do one more thing. <laughs> well, let me see. I've been I've been dying to ask. Like, it's the only thing I really wanted to talk about about the Eldros legacy. You got us so excited about that with Superstars. I want all the authors on. I'm so excited about it. Yeah. And so, what can you tell us about this world? Why is Eldros legacy so special? Well, this is the first book. Todd, and, Todd, we yes, love Todd in this. On Todd Fonestock, Kyvin yeah. the Unkillable. I hope it's showing up good on the screen. Sorry for it me looks to tell. Beautiful. Yep. Uh, that's the first. Seeds of Dominion is next. Uh, Deadly Fortune comes out a week from today. And we may have some cover art to show you on that as we reveal. We revealed it this past weekend on Sunday. Um, the Four Horsemen universe, to diverge a little bit, is this fantastic military science fiction universe that has had uh, 30-some authors in their write novels, I think 76 novels total, maybe not quite 30, but uh, you know, 20 to 30 no- uh, authors. Uh, it's been this wide, sprawling collection of awesomeness. Uh, mm-hmm. Collection of no- awesomeness. I love that. That's perfect. Yeah, that should be cover somewhere. It, it has been. It, it covers just about every possible science fiction genre. You know, mine's got mystery and spy and um, uh, mill sci-fi and and there's you know, space opera and there's all this stuff in it. And it's it's not re- it's just under this one big umbrella of everybody following the same rules of the universe. And I love it. Yep. Uh, but I wanted to do this in the fantasy setting. And mm-hmm. so what, what I did is I, I got four great authors to work with me. Todd Fonestock was one, is one. Quincy Allen is another. 
uh, Marie Whitaker is a third, and then Mark Stallings is fourth, then we spent basically all of 2019 trying to lay the groundwork for this really large project that we hope will ultimately have 70 to, to 100 books in it down the road. Uh, and, and we are starting to get really going. It's, it's, it's take, we've had some hiccups along the way, but, uh, you know, it's a huge project that, that will have some of these. And, um, so we're going to try and get a book out a month, uh, pretty much every month. Um, we've missed two, but most months we're going to have a book a month out. Uh, and it's going to be from one of us, five founders, like my book should come out in May. Uh, we're going to have books from other people like Aaron Rosenberg, who is a fantastic writer in a number of universes, including Star Wars, Stargate Atlantis, Warhammer 40K, uh, a whole bunch of other shared properties and his own stuff. Amazing guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he is he is writing a story. And and again, these stories are not necessarily always going to be epic fantasy. Some of them will be some of them will be just pure sword and sorcery. The one that Aaron has got, which is Deadly Fortune, coming out in a week is more of sort of swashbuckling private eye. It's got pirates and intrigue and not really magical. It's just all this action and adventure uh-huh. in this land of pirates. And so every every one of us authors sort of, uh, the five main ones created a, a continent. And my continent is Shigeran. And the other four have their own continents. And they each sort of have their own theme. Mine is legendary things, legends and lore. And so it's got a little bit more poetry. Uh, monsters are generally things that you're familiar with, a lot of real-world cultures and stuff like that. Um, Quincy likes likes demons and all sorts of quirkiness, and so his is demons and and has a whole bunch of, of, of weird monsters and, and races and beasts. Um, Mark loves dragons. Oh, my God, does Mark love dragons. <laughs> That's why we love Mark. It totally works yes. for us. The only thing you worse than talking to mark about dragons is asking mark about coffee don't do it <laughs> don't ask mark Stallings about coffee or beer i mean come on now oh uh, coffee's the worst beer I'm, <laughs> beer I'm gonna, uh and then marie whitaker she wanted uh she wanted volcanoes and fire and gems and so hers is all is all is pyronon and it's it's um it's uh it's focused around fire mm-hmm. and then todd came in and he came up Todd's a really innovative dude. And he, he really up, is. Love that brain of his. Uh, and uh, she, or he, he did um, uh, shadows and light. Uh, his has this big globe of light that's centered in his continent, trying to defeat shadow. Like if you look at the map, there's literally a big globe of yellow in there, and it's light trying that's placed there, sort of like a weapon of magical mass destruction, trying to defeat shadow army and it fails but it leaves this weird terrain in his his setting really neat stuff that he's got going on so uh mine sure and uh marks is draconon dragons quincy is mm-hmm. daemonon demons mm-hmm. marie is fire so it's pyranon and then todd is noxanon which is shadow and light and, and then we have a bunch of other authors that we've already gotten recruited who are already participating and, and contributing um full-length stuff um uh, Aaron Rosenberg has a novel coming out next uh, next week, as I said. Uh, Jamie Ibsen's working on a novel uh, in, set in Damon. On, uh, Aaron's is set in in my in Shearn. Jamie's is writing one in um, uh, uh, Damon. On um, we have uh, Courtney Farrell is one who's writing in Pyrrhon. Uh, Sam Witt is writing a hunter slash witcher kind of monster chasing character in um uh draconon and then uh i think kendra merritt's going to be the first one with a uh noxon novel and we're going to be interspersing them we're going to be we promise you as founders we're going to give you one mainline founder novel a year so there's five of us for the main line and that's going to go mm-hmm. we've got an eight-year plan for ours so there's 40 books mm-hmm. and then we're going to be putting in a whole bunch of stuff and Shearn is my setting for my other previous stuff. So we'll be re-releasing my stuff with my Edward character and my uh, my what will become what is actually the prequel to the Door into Winter, which will be my first true uh, Eldritch Legacy novel on the main line. So it's a prequel that we'll be setting out as an omnibus uh, coming in the summer, I suspect. So. Uh, 
so exciting. We got ma- we got great maps. We're, we've got an archive that we're going to try and keep up with all the characters and place names and all that stuff. We're mm-hmm. uh, that's going to be a little bit behind because it takes time, but that's yeah. what we're working on. In it currently um, um, is is up. It's at eldroslegacy.com slash archives. Obviously, mm-hmm. eldroslegacy.com is there. We have a uh, mailing list. In fact, I'll be sending out a new mailing list talking about Aaron this week. Um, and we have we have a lot of plans for this. A lot of cool ideas. Basically, we got five people going. Oh, this will be cool. Let's ex- let's see if we can execute it. And so excited about this. So much um, fun. I'm very excited too. Yes. It's fantastic. The diabolical says the brown dragon has a coffee damage breath weapon. Is that real? Because that would be awesome. Does that mean you just get the shakes, you know, from drinking too much coffee? Is that, is that what happens? Um, that dragon might already live in my house. Uh, <laughs> I just guess that Mark will soon add a new dragon to tracking on. Think of the merchandising. I mean, come on now. This could totally work. Dragon on brand coffee. That's right. Have mugs and everything. I mean, this yeah. totally works. Um, so that's awesome. So I'm very excited. So I can't wait for everyone to see. And like I said, we're we're big fans of uh, Todd. So and his book is already out. And Quincy's is already out. So there's yeah. a few already and, out. And like I said, Ed, do we want to do the cover reveal now? Um, I guess. Yeah. Kevin- do you want to do the cover reveal? Sure. All right, yeah. let's do it. Zafo, let's do the cover reveal. Sound. Damn I. Sorry about right. that. That's we, we are fixing the sound. Sorry, we did we did put this up last minute, so I, I apologize. Yeah. She she really is Todd's biggest fan. Sad face. Don't be sad, Tara. We're gonna get it up. Okay. That's... We have we have audio? We have audio? Okay, let's do it again. Here we go. Take do, two. Do, do we have audio? Yay, we worked. Okay. So this is cover for Deadly Fortune. The cover was done by Caio Cacau, who is a Brazilian artist that Aaron has worked with quite some, uh, quite a number of times and really loves the way, the vibrancy of his art. And as you can see it, we told him we wanted a swashbuckling thing and it needed to involve pirates. And, and boy, that sure looks like there's some buckles being swashed on that cover. I mean, it's really <laughs> an amazing cover. Uh, I love covers with action in it, you know, yeah, that it just it means so much more. It hits home. Yeah. So that that's the cover for Deadly Fortune coming out next Tuesday um, uh, on Amazon. And uh, you can get it in paperback. You'll be able to get it in uh, ebook format. Down the road, we're, we're working on getting the audiobooks, but unfortunately, the audiobooks take time. I will tell you, we're also going to be adding all of the Elder's Legacy stuff in German and ultimately in other languages. Uh, we, nice. we are putting everything in CKP uh, ultimately on, on the German market in German. And we're doing and that's That's the one growing. We've been looking at it, too. Yep. We'll have to so, pick your brain. So, uh, yeah, um, uh, Kevin Steverson, Mark Stallings actually was heavily involved with that. Kevin Steverson... Uh, those two did a lot of the work to spirit. I, I, I feel like I'm missing one other person in that, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, from my perspective, it's been something that he's been working through Chris and I'm just like, sounds great. <laughs> sounds great. I've got nothing positive to add. So I'm going to shut up and nod. And <laughs> so you, you got it. Sweet. Done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just like you tried to take stuff off Chris plate, you know, you let them take some stuff too. It's all good. It'll all work in the end. Yes, it does. Well, I'm wondering, since you have all of these authors working together and all these cool people and you're bringing new authors on to add to this universe, how do you vet these writers? Like, how do you decide this one? This one's going to be great for the dragon world. Like, how do you decide? Well, um, honestly, we asked them to do a, give us a short story. Okay. Um, we, we asked them to give us a short story, give an idea mm-hmm. of a uh, character or area that they want to write in and you know, sort of see their writing and see how it flows. 
Um, that's for authors that we don't really know or we haven't had much experience with. With Aaron, I had actually seen some of his works because pub I've published him before. It wasn't a question. Jamie, obviously, we've seen a lot of Jamie Ibsen's stuff. Sam Witt has a line of credits, and I've seen his stuff. I've published his stuff as well. So I had some experience with them, and we didn't right. worry about it. But if it's an author that we don't know, obviously, before they get into a full-length novel, before we they even they spend hour after hour after hour in something, we don't want them to waste their time. Right. Uh, Let's say they give us a short story and it's not it. it worst case, it doesn't really fit us. Um, mm -hmm. They've still got a short story. Now they'll have to file the names off and do the things, kind of rearrange stuff so it's not stepping on our IP. But mm -hmm. they'll still have a story, and that's just editing, right? right? Mm -hmm. uh, not a waste of the time. Yep. Right. Um, we hope to be doing anthologies down the road. Kind of have to balance out anthologies with full length novels because uh, anthologies don't sell as well as novels do. So. Right. Right. You have to be, you know, honest about making sure we're getting the right kind of flow of everything. So mm -hmm. we'll use as many of those in anthologies as we can, um, although it may take some time. Uh, and then at worst case, we'll uh, we'll find some that we're going to be using as as freebies, as, as as giveaways to our readers as new books come out and things like that. So the the joy of short stories, by the way, if you're a fledgling writer and you've never written before, write short stories, even if you don't have an immediate plans for them. They can be used as uh, ways to get new people onto your mailing list. And by the way, if you're a new writer, get yourself a mailing list started. Uh, yep. It's the best way to reach out to people who are interested. No um, doubt. Uh, and I have a mailing list. If you if you you know go to robhowell.org and and you can uh, uh, sign up for it there. Uh, and uh, uh, but writing because once you publish like you publish a short story with us. Mm -hmm. A year later, a year after publication date, you get the rights to it. I have rights, for example, to Four Horsemen stories. I have rights to my uh, alternate history short stories. So those become things I can give away. I can repackage and put online as uh, things to sell separately. Mm -hmm. uh, there are all sorts of things you can do with short stories. So if you're a new writer, short stories aren't just a good exercise for improving your craft, but they are a fantastic way to... Uh, their tool that you can use down the road. Sorry, I'll get off my oh, soap, soapbox now. No, it's a good soapbox, because not only that, you actually learn. Like, I learned more about character by writing short stories. Yeah. That actually uh, that, made my character work stronger. Yeah, because you can do backstory moments in your in your character, like, before mm -hmm. the, the main thing. Thanks to old Jester 68 not sure who that is, uh, mm -hmm. for... Uh, hey, you beat Zafo. I mean, don't take his job. Trust me, you don't want it. I yell at him a lot. You can ask him. <laughs> This is where I'll be quiet and let you ask the next question. <laughs> no, like I said, they're here for you, man. They're not here for me. But look, look, we've talked a lot about books and writing and blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm really interested in this former soda jerk job. Like, what was that? that I have literally so cool. made over 100,000 milkshakes in my life. What? That is so cool. Was it like one of those old fashioned little places that used to be in pharmacies? Like what? Uh, where, where did you yeah, do um, place called Jimmy's Diner in Wichita, and it it started in 1987. And <laughs> uh, I uh, I worked there for like eight years, and we made lots of milkshakes and you know yes. uh, cool. hot fudge sundaes and all that stuff. You know, in, in some ways it's kind of a fun job, but boy, mm -hmm. but I'll tell you, if you ever do that. Wear braces on your wrists because you will get carpet oh, with all the vibrating. Yes. So you hate your wrist. Is that what you're telling me? All of your jobs. So the soda jerk job, the IT job, and now writing all of yes. them. Yes. Actually, <laughs> writing is not so wrist. bad because my wrist can sort of sit here and I'm just doing this. I, I, I touch type really well and it doesn't actually hurt my wrist because they're not mine. bent. They're not Ugh. bent. They're not so but oh yeah, um, I, I worked at Jimmy's Diner in Wichita for quite some time. And it was kind of at the forefront of the bringing back of the 50s diner concept. Mm -hmm. And uh, the guy who ran it um, is was he's he's dead now. But his dad uh, was the guy who founded White Castle way back when, in, which got founded in Wichita. It broke off from Wichita. There's not a, there wasn't last I checked a White Castle in Wichita, but the White Castle a brand started in Wichita and uh, the two partners split and it became King's X in um, Wichita of which Jimmy Steiner was one of those. And then uh, obviously a lot of you probably have eaten a White Castle here and there. I thought it was from Chicago. That's so 
shows it's you not, what I knew. Yeah, uh, I, uh, White Castle's from Wichita. Freddy's Steak Burgers is from Wichita. Pizza Hut is from Wichita. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Lots In long winters, they had to find, you know, something to eat. So Wichita, oddly enough, is a huge foodie, t- foodie town. It is yeah. one of the best foodie towns. I would put it as the best foodie town per population uh, anywhere. Oh, I don't know. We might have to fight. It's one of the strengths of Houston. Per population? Yeah, even per population. We have more restaurants per population than anywhere else in the country. (laughs) That's uh, why we're rounder, too, just for the record. Yeah, Wichita's right up there in the number of population, and um, it's a test market, and that's one of the reasons. Mm -hmm. Every, most every chain will stick one in to see how it goes in Wichita. That means all the local places have to Uh be good, and there are some great restaurants in Wichita. I, I might like to eat, so... Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. We're on the same page there. No, 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 100%. I got you. Yeah. Nope. That's one of the joys of life. Um, oh, they're talking. Yes, driving does hurt in Houston. You're absolutely right, old Jester. It's a nightmare, which is why we're going to move downtown soon. We shall move downtown so we can walk to all of our favorite restaurants. Crystals. Oh, my gosh. I forgot about Crystals. Crystals might be the one that's from Chicago. I mean, they were all over. Now I can't remember. It's been a long time, man. And, and this is for, I can't, can't read it, Og Tripog? Og, yeah, that's Og. <laughs> Hi, Og. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. He's just mad because Zafo shaped his. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He's here for certain questions, which we're actually about to get to because we talked so much, which was awesome. Um, what I do want you to do first before I ask our lightning round is you said you have an anthology coming up you wanted to tell us about. Why don't you well, tell us about that? We just released Keen Edge of Valor uh, at, at Fantasy. This is the third Fantasy anthology, the Books of Valor, uh, done in conjunction with that convention. Uh, all of these anthologies have had to do with uh, valorous deeds and cool, you know, stand at the bridge kind of moments. Uh, I love those kind of stories, and so I got to make it, so that's what it gets to be. I, al- <laughs> I also uh, get to do an open anthology, uh, an open call contest. We take the okay. top four stories, and they become finalists, and the winner gets two free passes to the following in- um, Fantasy, and, which is a really neat thing that Fantasy is doing to support this. I uh, mm-hmm. really appreciate all the people at Fantasy and the hard work they do. Joe Lyons, uh, the Lions and the Lioness are really awesome people, and their crew is works really hard to take care of us there. But anyway, yeah, um, so this one had um, the four finalists were Chris Hepler, Nathan Balliet, um, uh, Kathy DeMott, and Jonathan Miller. And Chris Hepler with The Torture of Camelot was this year's winner. Nice. Congratulations. Next, yes. It was it was the best story. I mean, the moment I read it, I was like, okay, this is top of the list. We'll see if anybody can beat it, but nobody came close. Nobody it, did. It, That's awesome. It, it's, a, it's a tough story. It's got a bit of grim dark in it, but it's so powerful. Um, it's fantastic. It's nice when you read that story. It's like finding gold, you know? It's like, yeah, oh my I, gosh, I, where did this come from? It's yeah. beautiful. You read one and you're like, oh, well, shucks. I read one and read one. Oh, hey. Wow. Right? You're like, uh, oh, it's shiny. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm, I'm doing this because I actually, the first time I read stories that get sent to me, I actually read them on my phone in bed. Uh, I send them to really? my, my Kindle and, and huh. read them in bed. That's where I do most of my reading. So might as well, if I can, you know, anyway. Uh, so next year. Now that we all have a picture. <laughs> yes. I also edit in bed. You, you know, I will send it to my How phone. How can you do that? I couldn't edit in bed. I yeah, need to be you, in my computer. You highlight room. stuff and you add a note. Oh, no way. No, no. Uh, I do it all the time. You That's see impressive. things differently. You see things differently on the big screen, and and you do better if you're reading it from a page. But if you're editing, sometimes you can edit better uh, in some ways on yeah, the phone. Yeah, but I just mean functionally. Like, I'm a pretty darn good typer. Obviously, I do this for a living. But not on my phone. I mean, it just becomes a nightmare. Uh, it, it worked, they would well, be I, like, what is this edit, Kelly? I cannot translate it. I have no idea. Well, I, I will freely admit I've trained my phone that DEL is delete and it and it goes ahead and does that for me and, you know, a number of the other things. So I don't actually have to type as much as it might think. And a lot of them is like cut, delete, comma here, you know, those sorts of things. And it's it's so more copy editing than. Yeah, I yeah. get you. Um, but the new anthology. Is... Yeah, that's that's where we're going. Before I, got, <laughs> I distracted myself. Look, squirrel. Right, uh, 
next year, uh, next year's anthology is going to be entitled Bonds of Valor. And Nathan actually is one of the guys who gave me the, the idea for it. And so what this is, is this is going to be any bonds between characters. So it could be a romantic relationship. Uh, it, and it could be buddy adventure. It could be oath sworn or something like that. They all still have to have deeds of valor, something heroic, something where you put yourself in front of, of some other person's harm in harm's way or something along those lines. But this also has to do with some sort of pairing. So uh, Dave Butler gives us these intricate and fix stories, which are fantastic. They're, they remind me of Fawford and the Grey Mouser. Those fit almost automatically. But look for something that has bonds between the characters that drives the story. That sounds awesome. Is there a requirement like it has to be a new writer or you have no, to no. have 30? Uh, the open call is for any writer who wants to submit, uh, except for those who've won two open calls previously uh, oh, with me. Fair. Uh, so Casey Moops, uh, Casey Moores is out. Melissa Olsop's out. Kathy DeMott, I meant to mention this to her at the con. She's out because she's, she's won, won twice. Because uh, I do want to rotate fresh in. Yeah. Once is lucky or, you know, one, once can be good, but mm -hmm. twice is clearly good. And we're going to move you up to, you know, a more challenging category, I guess, is the way to think of it. Yeah. Um, so anybody can submit uh, whatever mm -hmm. their experience. Um Seven to ten thousand words. Oh, that's the good. Dead, the deadline is uh, November thirtieth of this year, so you've got about five or six months, some amount of months. I am still tired, and dates are hard. <laughs> dates are really hard. I guess it's eight months, so I'm nowhere. Ah, uh, anyway. Uh, so Close November, we're, we're good. Yeah, and uh, uh, Times New Roman one and a half. Uh, line spaced and 12 pitch font. There you go. There's the requirements. That's there you it. go. And where can they, where can we find those? What's the website? Uh, it'll be on uh, chriskennedypublishing.com. I'm okay. uh, going to be posting uh, that in the anthology section. I haven't gotten it done yet this week. I'm still recovering. But it'll be in the, if you go to Chris Kennedy Publishing blog, there is something that says there's an anthology calls category. You can click on that and you can go straight to it. That's all of our open anthology calls. Right now, this is the only one that we've got open. Uh, Excellent. So, yeah. Uh, now, by the way, that explains which, why I want to be the incarnation of time, because I don't have any clue about time. I better <laughs> well darn well change it to what I need. Uh, I will tell you, when I found out that uh, with the ADHD brain, there's like, it's very difficult. There's like, no, I, I I can't tell time. Like, there's no sense of time at all. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that explains so much. Why didn't nobody tell me that? Yeah, so. Time stands still. Nathan knows I'm a, I'm a huge Rush fan. In fact, oh. I should still be, I should still be, I should actually be wearing a Rush t-shirt. I only wear Rush t-shirts at cons. That, that's how you can find me. That's, uh, you know, Zapo has a bunch of those, too. It's his favorite band, too. Y'all can bond. So we have reached our lightning round. Woo! So we have five minutes. These are our very important questions. So you have to take them seriously, Rob. Ready? I will give them the attention they deserve. Uh, mm, okay. M maybe more attention than that. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what is your favorite flavor of ice cream? Uh, Culver's Midnight Toffee. Ooh, like, good choice. I, like I tried to avoid sugar. I didn't this weekend. I, I tried to avoid sugar, but when it's Culver's, that's the special one at the close one. Mm-hmm. You have to uh, have it. I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm tempted. I'm really tempted. Yeah. yeah. Can zombies climb? That is the author's choice. That's not an answer. You have to answer. Pick a side. Yes. They have to be able to climb fences to get at the meat on the other side. Right? I mean, when you're hungry, you do almost anything, right? Good job. Og, Og really likes you now. Good beard, right answer, according to him. Cats or dogs? Yes. <laughs> Didn't I mention the seriousness of these questions? I, I am serious. Uh, I will say that we only have cats because our lifestyle does not uh, lend itself well to having a dog. We don't have, have a puppy. Yeah. yeah. Can't take uh, them everywhere yet. Yeah. So uh, we have cats. We have lots of cats. We have more cats than we should. Um, I suppose cats, but I love having dogs. There's there's nothing quite like having a dog come up and lay his head on your lap and, right. and you know, put his feet up and his belly's up and he's twitching because he's chasing a rabbit or something like that. 
something magical. Yeah. Uh, what part of your daily routine is an absolute must? Sorry for those of you with sensitive ears, peeing. Peeing? No, that's fair. No, I mean, when you got to do it, you got to go. Yeah, yeah probably yeah. that. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I guess um, if, if a more real answer is I've got to... I've got to really sit down almost every, I think every day I, I sit down and I think about something new to write. I don't necessarily put it on pages, but I'm always, you know, there's always times where I'm kicking back and, relax and, the, and the wheels are spinning. Yeah. I love it. So what is the first thing you put in your grocery cart? Coffee for the sweetie. I like there to you live. go. I like to go. live. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on. You were awesome. Just a wealth of knowledge and entertainment. You don't always get that combo, so thank you very much. So where can fans find you and your work? RobHowell.org. <laughs> uh, my website, RobHowell.org slash blog, is where I post uh, uh, weekly my update. I also have an uh, update on my – I use that update on my mailing list. Mm -hmm. uh, I am available on Twitter as Rodri2112. That's R-H-O-D-R-I 2112. Um, I am Rotary 2112 on Facebook, so facebook.com slash Rotary 2112. Rotary is my SCA name, and, and did I mention 2112 like Rush, yeah, we got you. Go. <laughs> on board. Not, on not board. too subtle there, am I? Uh, <laughs> let's see here. I'm on MeWe as Rotary 2112. Uh, let's see here. No, that, that's that's probably the best way to, to find me. Uh, Rob at robhowell.org is my email. Uh, Rob at ChrisKennedyPublishing.com is another email. Feel free to send me any comments or questions. And I actually, you know, we need more questions from the audience, I think, uh, so I can give away. Uh, we'll get them at the end. Okay. We'll get them at the end. You did awesome. So now that Rob is your new favorite author, please make sure to review his work and submit to his anthologies. That's going to be fun, too. And please make sure to review us wherever it is you get your podcast. You can also follow us on I always get these confused. Follow us on Twitch and subscribe on YouTube. So um, we can't wait to see you next week oh. where we have the release of The Last Humans with Gregory D. Little. I also should add, I'm also on the Dudes in Hyperspace podcast. I'm so zonked, oh. I forgot my own podcast. That That's I right. I need to go on that. And I forgot too. That's yes. right. Dudes in Hyperspace, you said? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com uh, uh, podcasting network. Believe.com. And search for dudes in hyperspace and you'll find us there. Great. There we are. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Old Jester is right. I am suffering from.